Hey, it's Julie. I just want to thank you so much for listening to my show. I'm very grateful for you. I also really would love to know, what are you struggling with? What are some of the things that are maybe keeping you up at night or that are really a bit difficult for you right now? If you wouldn't mind, please reach out and email me to let me know at podcast at julieriesler.com. I want to make sure to keep this show relevant. I want to address topics that are really pertaining to what you're dealing with. And for those that might be interested, I will be inviting a few people to be a guest so that we can talk about and really work through whatever it is that you are struggling with. My email will be in the show notes below. And I just want to thank you so much for all your love and support. I'm sending it right back at you. Hello, and welcome to the USU podcast. This is the place to be inspired, uplifted, and empowered from those who have dug deep to uncover their purpose, passion, and legacy. From breakdowns to breakthroughs, get an inside peek on the making of incredible life lessons and journeys. Join me, your host, Julie Riesler, and author of Get a PhD in You, to hear powerful stories from leaders, leading experts, entrepreneurs, and amazing human beings who have chosen to become their most extraordinary self. It's time to be the real you, the one you were born to be. Get ready to discover the truest, youest you. Welcome to the Uist You podcast. This is Julie Riesler. I am your host, and I am really excited to introduce you to our guest today. You are going to have the privilege and pleasure of getting to meet Dave Conley. I want to tell you a little bit about Dave before you get to meet him. So interestingly, a few years ago, Dave Conley was working as a tech executive, which he hated. He was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. He had multiple medical issues with his doctor, had told him point blank that if he did not change something, all those issues would lead to an early death. He at that point weighed 330 pounds. The one thing that brought him joy was his amazing wife, Carol. One day she caught a cold and three days later, he switched off her life support. Through the depth of grief and depression, he resolved to live, to live a life worth living. Over the next three years, Dave quit smoking, left his job, lost 150 pounds and learned to love again. He did this through radical self-care, learning to love himself as much as he loved his Carol. Now he works with lifelong overweight people who deep down wish they weren't. He shows them how to use radical self-care to change not just their bodies, but their whole lives. Dave, I am so grateful and honored to have you here. I know your story is extremely touching and personal and uh, appreciate you being here to share with everyone listening in. Thank you so much, Julie. My pleasure to be here. Well, when we spoke way back when, just hearing your story and understanding that, you know, as someone who was both in a loving marriage, but not in a loving relationship with yourself, you know, I remember chatting with you. That's an area that I'm really interested in is this, you know, notion of being able to love and care for ourselves and how that impacts everything. Um, and was really touched by you and your story. 
Thank you. I want to dive in with you, but before we get into kind of how you went from, you know, smoking every day and not probably eating so well to just shifting in all areas, I always like to kind of start with the question, what does the USGU mean to you? The people I work with have really lost that you. I mean, that self. Mm -hmm. And my business has evolved to not only work with people who need to lose a lot of weight, people who are just like me, but for helping people to balance significant achievement with health and wellness, people that have a real passion for their vocation, but have sacrificed their bodies and their relationships for their career. How you get to the point of needing to lose the equivalent of an entire human being is when you stop paying attention to yourself and you stop paying attention to your relationships and mostly the relationship with yourself, your you. And it doesn't take much but a pound here or there every month in order to gain 12 pounds. And then it doesn't take much to add 10 years to that and suddenly you have to lose an entire human being. Mm. But this isn't just people who need to lose a lot of weight. A number of my current clients, they seemingly are perfectly happy with their jobs. That's where they get the most satisfaction. And these are are people who have like a lot of responsibilities. They're CEOs or they're uh, authors or artists or uh, people who have significant achievement in lives. And yet they know that something's off, something's wrong, something's not there. The thing about it is that it's the exact same process of losing a lot of weight as it is to bring your life back in balance, to become that you. And so same program, slightly different uh, thinking about it uh, for somebody who doesn't need to lose a lot of weight, but it's the same journey back from all the external aspects of your life your vocation, even your relationships, and bringing it back to you so you can bring so much more to those things that are also most important to you. Wow. I really resonated with with what you were saying, especially, you know, the idea that like anything, you know, whether it's pounds or a bad habit or a negative thought that it, that it compounds and slowly over time, you know, as you said, you had to lose a whole person, literally. It seems so innocuous, the small little... <laughs> pound here or the negative thought here, but but then obviously that accumulates and can be very challenging. Absolutely. I mean, the waves of life happen to all of us. We need to be able to move through the challenges that life brings. Maybe it's the big trauma like I had, but a lot of people have had that trauma and tragedy uh, Mm. and personal crisis. But you know what? All of us have everyday hiccups. You've probably had one today. I know I have. In those everyday hiccups, they they uh, they keep on accumulating and suddenly you're in a position where you're trying to focus and self-soothe all sorts of other places because you're not able to have the resilience to move through those those stressors and really pay both attention to yourself and how that affects the rest of your life and this is a natural state for us we're supposed to be like this it's what got us to the top of the food chain mm. and so really working with that and working with what's best for us is something that I help people do every day because it's hard. If it was easy, we wouldn't be talking about this at all. Mm. 
Absolutely. You know, I just, I'd love to go back for a moment. I cannot imagine what you went through, you know, being married to the love of your life and then having literally such a short period of time to comprehend such a devastating situation. And I'm just curious for those that have gone through, whether it's it's grief or some kind of really, really challenging moment, what is it that helped you to kind of turn the the switch for yourself to make a change? And how did you move through that grief and that process? Actually, I had a reminder of this just recently with the death of Anthony Bourdain. And he had this amazing quote of experiencing life, that he was somebody who did experience so much of life. And the way that he described it was, just move, keep moving. I read that quote and I realized how much that spoke to me. I had lost my wife almost suddenly within just a few days, and it went from perfectly normal, she had a cold, to having a coma-induced a stroke, and then a few days later, having to say goodbye to her. And she was just my world. And so that depth of grief and depression that I was in, I mean, literally on the floor in this, where mm. like, where, like I was wearing a big, heavy, dark coat. I mean, my, my life had stopped and I wanted to die with her. But that part of your brain that says, if you don't do something, you're going to die. That really, that deep down, that lizard part of your brain that says, oh, you know what? You're not safe and uh, you know we need to keep you alive. That one piece told me to do one thing. And I told myself to do one thing, and that's just move a little. And for me, what that was, was drinking water. And so I, I had these big, not big, it was a liter full as Nalgene bottles that you could see through. And when you're in that depth of grief and depression, you stop eating, you stop drinking, you stop moving. And yet the one thing I could do was drink water. Sometimes I had to remind myself of it, but I could see it. I could see how much water I was drinking through the course of the day. And that turned out to be the one thing that allowed me to move on to the next thing, which was eat a little. I had to remind myself of that. And some days I couldn't do that, but at least what I had known that I had done was drink a liter of water. So I wasn't beating myself up. I was like, wow, I had a big accomplishment today. I drank water. And that sounds so silly now that I'm thinking about it. But it was really just such deep down in me. It's like, oh, I need water. Oh, I need food. And then once I mastered those, and it took time, we're not talking about days or weeks, we're talking months of me just trying to figure that out. I started to move a little bit more and move back into things like work and relationships and the rest of it and start living again. But it all started with just one small change, which was going from something that I used to do, that's something I couldn't do, and then bringing that one thing back, drinking water. What's amazing to me is how when we were speaking earlier, just the that one little shift, you know, the we were talking about how the if it's pounds, they can add up so quickly. And it's the same thing when it's being used for, you know, for the, for the good and welfare of you, like those one, that one little change of drinking water was the catalyst. It was the one piece. Yeah. I couldn't control the chaos around me. Right. Yeah. You know, all of the emotions, all of the craziness, all of the sleepless water. And that was the piece that changed everything. 
Yeah. Unbelievable. So take us a little bit farther. So, so you started drinking water, moving a little bit. Take us from there to what you're doing now, how you're living at your purpose and helping others who I know we talked, especially those who have, you know, quite a bit of an extreme amount of weight to lose. You work very closely, carefully, intimately with people that are really looking to make major health changes. Can you maybe just share more about your journey and how you went from the little bit with water and movement to now? Because I think it's, I think that's extraordinary. First, it wasn't a straight path. You know, it wasn't like, uh, oh, I, I drank water and oh, then I started eating food and then I started eating the right food and then I started, you know, then I went to the gym. No, that, that, <laughs> that does a, a disservice to what it means for all of us to be human, which is yeah. it, you, you make some progress and then you get knocked back and you learn from it and you get a little bit stronger from that and you go sideways for a bit, maybe even down for a little bit. It wasn't a straight path. I would get moving where I would I would kind of get like my world straight with the exercise, the diet, uh, and then I would get my sleep straight. And then that would open up the possibilities for other things. And that's when the radical self-care really started. I really started thinking about this and seeking help from others and from mentors, even mentors from afar, and finding out what was possible. So I started losing weight and losing a significant amount of weight, but then that wouldn't stick and last for a while. But then I would get back on it and learn not to beat myself up uh, because what I'd added to uh, what I was doing was a lot of uh, mindfulness uh, and learning meditation. And I find particularly when people talk about mindfulness and meditation because it's gotten uh, so popular in the last few years in the West is that I, I run into more people and my clients were like, ah, I've tried that. Man, that's hard. Yeah. Or I tried it for a little while and it didn't stick. And it's like, yeah, I, I get it. Right. And, and for me, you know, my practice isn't uh, as regular as I would like it either. And that's the magical part about it is mindfulness isn't just uh, sitting there and chanting for some people or clearing your mind or all of those things. It's about the process of getting back. That's the amazing part about mindfulness. It's about getting back to the practice, which is as, as important as actually doing the practice. I was adding and getting stronger through these things, I started making more and more changes and mostly opening myself up to listening a lot more uh, to uh, friends and mentors. And so I got like great questions of like, when were you happiest in your career? Why are you doing what you're doing? What do you believe about yourself? And that's when I do th did things like quit my job. I had a perfectly amazing job as an executive, something that I've been doing my entire life. I went back and looked at my real passions of starting companies and uh, working directly with people and helping other people start companies. But what I kept on coming back to over and over and over again is just having conversations like with you and me about my story. And then people would be like, you should write a book you should do more talks. And I started doing some talks. And then I finally uh, had, again, the conversation with uh, friends of, well, it's cool that you like, you know, this entrepreneur world and you're good at it. But, you know, you talk about yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit all the time. Is that something that maybe you should be doing? And that's when my light bulb went off. It's like, well, why am I telling people my story? Why don't I live that story and see if other people want to live that story with me, if I can help them and then 
see if they'll pay me for it. And it turns out, yes, a lot of people need to make big changes in their lives or small changes that amount to big changes. Uh, and that's where it comes in for me all the time, whether it's somebody who needs to lose a lot of weight or somebody who needs to make radical changes to their lives, but they're not sure what it is. So going through a process of really helping them through that process. Mm. What are ways, Dave, if you were to just give a couple examples or tips, you know, because we know, I mean, making behavior changes, it, it definitely, it does not happen overnight and it's not typically an easy process, you know, and it takes, I mean, goodness, I know this, the scientific studies say at least 60, 67 days on average to change a habit. That's not, you know, that's not in two days. What are some of your strategies, tips, or things that you could share with our listeners that might be helpful for those that are thinking, yeah, I'm ready and I'm needing to make a change in my life. One of the very early things I do with my clients is fix their sleep. You just can't do anything. You can't build resilience. You can't look at a change in your life. Uh, you can't even focus on the rest of your self-care without fixing your sleep. And I find that so many people don't even pay attention to something that we spend a third of our life doing. And it starts with very small changes and they make all the difference in the world. First and foremost, I have people remove the electronics and the screens out of their bedrooms. There are so many distractions that happen with your cell phone, with your tablets, with your TVs, with, with computers that completely interrupt your sleep, whether it's the light that they put off, the nerdy technical term is Allen, artificial light at night, really disrupts your sleep patterns. Removing all of those screens to making it colder in your room, getting a good mattress, making it really dark in your room. These are things that people just commonly just don't do to really pay attention to something that is critical. And here's where the rubber meets the road. When you lack sleep and even just a little bit of sleep, everything gets a little bit harder. So it's harder to eat right if you're just like, oh, I'm tired. I just want to sit on the couch, watch Netflix with a glass of wine and a pint of Ben and Jerry's. That sounds pretty good, right? If you don't, if you're just <laughs> tired, <laughs> this self-soothing sounds awesome. But fix your sleep and then you get choice back. It's like, oh, I can choose to do the pint of Ben and Jerry's with a glass of wine in front of Netflix. I don't feel like I have to do it. Or I can choose to be present with my kids and my family. And I don't feel like this huge obligation to do it because I'm getting up early. I'm staying up late to have to take care of myself. That's where sleep becomes just the one thing that I have everyone fix first. Mm, I think that's excellent advice. And I certainly, <laughs> I've experienced this firsthand myself. You know, I'm wondering for those, I don't know if you've ever worked with, it could be men too, but especially women, if you have, you know, young children, I found this to be the most challenging aspect was frankly, for me, it was lack of sleep and the, and the regular sleep. It was really challenging. It was, you know, we know that lack of sleep is used situations it's where you're torture, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I felt that way. I was a mess. I mean, really, it affected right, my health, right. my well-being, my autoimmune system. So yeah, it totally tortured not to have sleep. What do you do if like, someone's listening and right now they have young children or, or, or sleep issues? Like, How do you handle that? 
You know, young children is always the tricky one in that there doesn't seem to be a lot of options because kids need, uh, young, young children need food at weird hours. They make their presence known at all sorts of hours. And I can't uh, say what to do with children other than it does get better. They do sleep longer. <laughs> yeah. um, and as the kids get older, that, that gets into a whole world of, of how you raise your kid and what makes them feel, uh, you know, the best and making sure that they get enough sleep. That's a whole nother podcast. That's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Sure. Um, I also run into it with, oh, my spouse, you know, it's like, well, my spouse wants, you know, their TV in the, in the bedroom going and that's how they fall asleep and the rest of it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's more of a choice. And that's something that you can do something about because yeah. your spouse and your kids, certainly as they've gotten older, they don't want you sick. They don't want you all stupid. They don't want you dangerous. They want you to have a healthy, happy life. Mm -hmm. And this is about a choice of saying, look, you first, you absolutely first. And knowing you have to raise kids and knowing that you have a job, it's about balance, right? But you first so that you can bring so much more to them. I think in listening to you, because in coaching some clients, I know that that is one that comes up often as well. I've noticed with, you know, a spouse that wants the TV on and, you know, I, I've had it where some people sleep in a separate room until that shifts or if it doesn't shift, they just kind of realize that, that it doesn't work or... You know, I know taking naps sometimes if that's possible, but sometimes it's not. But I think that's a great point that, you know, and you said it earlier, we do have a choice. And the the more you can figure a way to get sleep, the more you have that that space to make a choice. That's that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is in the end, you know, sleep gives you that feeling of groundedness and being able to make to make choice. It gives you freedom. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that's the part you need in order to say, ooh, there's a change that I want to make in my life, even a small change. Yeah. And uh, being able to work on that and know that when it doesn't work out, then you can get back to it. If you're yeah. constantly sleep deprived, forget it. Oh, and napping. Oh, my God. I So I just read a, a fabulous book uh, called uh, When by Dan Pink. And he has this whole uh, section in it about taking a nappuccino. I highly recommend that people use their favorite search engine and, and look up nappuccino. And it turns out that like there's a really optimal amount of time of napping and it's about 30 minutes. And yeah. but right before you take that nap, you down a cup of coffee because it takes about a half hour for ca caffeine to get into your system. And so you take a nappuccino. I will tell you, I've added this to my life and it's made a big difference. I'm pretty impressed. I love it. Oh, that's interesting. All right, great. That's a new tip. I love it. One more question for you before we get into some signature questions and wrap up. I am wondering, you know, to, to lose 150 pounds for yourself and then with others, I'd imagine that the focus, the strategy would be on perhaps, you know, smaller incremental goals. I'm just curious for those, again, anyone listening in that has a big goal they're going after, and especially if you're losing weight or a significant amount of weight, what's the way that you think works best mentally? The work that I do is mainly fixing what's between the ears. Certainly there's the practices like mindfulness and exercise and diet and fixing your sleep and all of those things are great. And it turns out that doing those things, actually working those things begins to change your beliefs. 
if you think of us as kind of three main components the, of the self, the USG, there's the mind, you know, our thinking part, there's the body, the meat suit that is holding us, and then there's the spirit. And the spirit, uh, no matter what you might believe, is our beliefs when it gets down to it. And so changing any one of those things, either intellectually, you know, we, we work on that a lot, changing our body affects uh, our mind affects our body affects our spirit so each one of those so you can spend time in one area and dramatically affect the rest so changing your beliefs turns out to be a lot about understanding who you are as far as your identity goes and i'll leave this with your listeners write down five things that you do really really well in your life you raise your kids well you do your job well you do these are things that you do really well. And then write down five things that you want to change, your wants. Like, I want to be better at my job. I want to be better with my spouse, those kind of things. And then right next to those, write out what the belief is against those. Like, if I'm really good at my job, I might say, well, I believe that I'm really good at my job, or I believe I'm really good with money, or really good at whatever it is, The you know, I'm really good at leadership. Okay, great. Those are all beliefs that we have solidified. We understand they're great. And then all of the other ones, the things that we want, are also beliefs. It might be like, I, I don't feel like I'm good at relationships. I don't feel like I'm good at my job, my vocation, right? Here's the thing, is that all of those are typically tied to fears and things that we can change just like the things that you are good at you have everything in you in order to change the things that you're not good at and the things that you want and so where people make the biggest difference is recognizing those things and working through them very very well said and i'm thinking as you're talking like huh i've got to really go back and think for myself where are those things that might be getting in the way i so appreciate that's well really well put Dave, before we end, I, first of all, I just I want to say thank you so much for sharing you and what you do. And I know we're going to have information for anybody that's tuning in that wants to both connect with you. And I believe you also put together, because we talked about sleep earlier, you put together some tips for getting better sleep. I did. Your listeners can check out all of my tips against sleep, for sleep, at my website slash you. So it's L-I-M-I-T-L dot E-S slash you, Y-O-U. Awesome. Sleep one's a big one. And then looking at what's, you know, the fears are, what's getting in your way. It's also, I mean, it's the crux of it all. And for those listening that, that want to know you better, we'll have that information. And I just, I'm amazed with your story and what you've done in your own life. So before we wrap up, I would love to just to ask a couple of my signature questions. If you could, I guess, share any piece of wisdom with the world, let's say it's your hopefully a long time from now, it's your last day on planet Earth, and you can impart any words of wisdom, what would you say? I have thought a lot about like, you know, what's it going to be like on my deathbed? That was actually a pretty big catalyst for me to make some of the biggest changes because on my deathbed, I had a pretty good relationship. And I'm like, hmm, okay, pretty good relationship. That's, I don't want that. I want to have a great major relationship. Uh, pretty good's 
pretty good, but I want a great one. So I want to change that. I have an amazing, great job. Okay, great. And it's also killing me. Oh, that's bad. So I'm not going to be on my deathbed saying and settling for pretty good or great but deadly. What I want is a world of balance where my, my major relationship, my vocation, the things that I do to make a living, and the work I do on myself are all in balance. Um, I'm not going to be on uh, my deathbed and say, oh, thank God I spent all that time at work. It's that integrated life of having those things working together that makes all the difference in the world. Well said. Yeah, that whole person kind of holistic viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The USU. The USU, right. The <laughs> me and the USU. I love it. Um, that's awesome. All right, Dave, just to end on some words of inspiration. We chatted about this earlier. You know, I'm, I'm obsessed with words and quotes. I know you had a quote that inspires you. There are many to choose from, but if you had to choose one that you could leave our listeners with that would be uplifting and maybe exemplify you, what, what would that be? I don't know where this comes from. I will leave it to your major search engine in order to figure this out. But I, I have journals that I write in, right? You know, work journals that you know, hold my action items and the things that I'm doing and also personal journals, right? And so every single one of these journals, I start with a quote. And I actually have my work journal and my personal journal open right now. And on my personal journal, the very first page says this, don't chase people, be an example, attract them, work hard and be yourself. The people who belong in your life will come find you and stay. Just do your thing. The work journal has this one and I love that it's in my work journal it's unless you love someone nothing else makes sense and that's E.E. Cummings those are great I love the idea of what you said about just the people that you're attracting you know that there's an essence of that that it doesn't have to be everybody and it won't be and that's not only okay that's ideal you can't attract everyone that's a great reminder I, I think about that all the time you know just about being your best self your USU and then whoever mm-hmm comes into your, you know, your sphere that those are people that are meant to be there with you. Absolutely. And it changes over your life, right? That's, that's what I pay attention to. It's like, Oh, this is different today and it'll be different tomorrow. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I, gosh, I so appreciate you sharing, Dave, you have so much wisdom just listening to you and you have a lot of wisdom. And I know one thing when you've gone through a major life change and transformation, it's different than just talking about it. You know, you've lived it and you help a lot of people live through those changes. And I love connecting and interviewing people that are really living out their best life in imperfectly, of course, but really that's the, that's the mission and, and focus for you. And it's so clear that you're, you know, living a life of purpose and helping many others to do the same. And I appreciate you sharing yourself today. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, speaking with you and also your listeners. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. We are thrilled to have you part of the USU community. By being your best self, you are adding enormous value and service to the planet as you can't give away what you don't have. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always get more information at julieriesler.com. Here's to you. 
and you're becoming your U-est you.